Denying the truth doesn't change the facts. Ooh. Just because we deny the truth doesn't change the facts of our situation. Yeah. And the facts have to be dealt with at some point. Yeah. These are the facts. Absolutely. They will come out. Mm-hmm. They will find their way to the surface. They float. And they will find their way. And you're right. There's a fear of confrontation or change. And it's okay to be scared. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Till the Wheels Fall Off. I'm Matt. And I'm Paige. You just got back out of town. I did. Oh, man. How was it? You got a little break. It was nice. It was nice to be present and get away from social media. And I'm all puffy from eating a lot of food. Got some goodies in you? I did. It was crazy not having you here. But just, you you held it down? I held it down just fine. It's just I find myself, I have no one to talk to. The kids. I mean, you know what I mean about other things like Like adult things? Adult stuff, yeah. Yeah. Talk to Chris, but without you around, it's just weird. Oh, did you miss me? I did, big time. Big time. Yeah, it's nice to get you home. Well, thank you for doing all the things. I missed Sydney's second competition. Oh, it was fun. I did a dance competition, uh, which included getting a little girl ready with full stage makeup. But my mother-in-law, your mom, came by Mm -hmm. and... Helped out so much. Yes. If you're listening, thank you, Susan. So grateful for you. Oh, it was amazing. I, I did put on falsies, which I thought I did a great job, but discovered later in the afternoon she was just telling me that, but I did a not so great job. Yeah, somebody noticed. I thought it was good. I think you That's, did fine. That is the smallest bead of glue I've ever applied to anything. Uh, lashes are really hard to put on. It's intricate. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not drinking anymore because I would have been shaken and it just would have been, <laughs> it been everywhere. awful, man. Stuck them in her eyeball. <laughs> Freaking mess. That's awesome. Freaking mess. Okay, some announcements real quick. We do still have some sweatshirts available. There were three boxes. Now there are two, two and a half, really. So it's getting low. It's getting low. Uh, it'll be getting warmer before you know it. And you're going to wish you got them. So if you haven't grabbed one, head over to tufo.com and you can do that. Yay! We've also got our course still available. Never going to stop pushing the course. Right. So people are finishing it and the stuff we hear back, like it brings us to tears. The, the amount of help and information and education that people get from this thing that they're not getting anywhere else. Like people have said, I've saved, I could have saved thousands and thousands of dollars on therapy mm-hmm. or I've scoured the internet for years and I finally found exactly what I was looking for. And it's the information in this course. Word. It's tough because a lot of people aren't ready to, to hear the information that's in the course, which is sort of what our episode's about today. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is crucial. It is something that you will do and be like, oh my God, I'm glad I did that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people also, what, what we find just looking at the, the data and the analytics within the course is that a lot of people start it and then it, you can tell it gets really heavy and they'll back off. I think part of that is also... F- because of the cadence of these types of relationships, mm-hmm. the ups and the downs, like this is the roller coaster. Yeah. This is the roller coaster. It's the worst roller coaster of all time. It's like mm-hmm. the Texas giant, that old wooden one. Oh gosh. That used to hurt. rock My back you hurts just hurt thinking your ribs. about that. It's like, it's like an old timey roller coaster, right? Yeah. It's just this, these ups and downs. And sometimes it feels like things are getting better. And before you know it, you're slammed back down to reality. Mm-hmm. So I get the sense that some of that's going on too. But if you stick with it, if you're ready to invest in your recovery and you're sick of being stuck, mm-hmm. this is the way out. Yep. This is the way out. Independentlystrong.com or you can access it through our website, twofo.com. And wheelies, if you're a listener, if you're someone that follows us, you can get a 75% discount using the code wheelies75. That's wheelies with an S, 75. Mm -hmm. And for this upcoming month, we are going to be extracting module one from the course and making it a standalone course. Mm -hmm. We extracted the self-care portion that's going away. 
uh, now we have this new one. Yeah. And for $50, you can get access to module one, which includes an amazing worksheet that you're going to hear us reference many times Mm -hmm. during this episode. Yeah. And it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a relationship evaluation. And then we have information on how you were affected within this type of relationship. There's more information on how my story came about. Um, There's clinical perspective in this module and like so much more. It's such a good one. It sets the stage for healing. And I think that's like, this is your favorite module in the entire course, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Because it helps us see things from a different perspective and, and helps us make decisions going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you ever thought, I wish there were some kind of test I could take or something that would help me just like see this for what it is and something that would remind me of what this really is. This is the module that does that. Yeah. And that, that evaluation, especially that worksheet that's in there. That's what it's designed to do. Yes. It's, it's excellent. Um, so be looking for that over at independentlystrong.com. It's a mini course. You will find it there. 50 bucks. You can grab that. It's a great intro to this. It's also very beneficial. Like you can get a lot just from that module. Mm -hmm. So check it out. Yep. Okay. We've alluded to the topic here a couple times. Yes, we're going to talk about what denial looks like. What denial is. Yes, and that's the reason I want to bring this up is because I was in denial for a long time. It was part of my story. And I think that there's a lot of people who are in denial, but they don't realize they're in denial. So we're going to talk about what are the signs that you might be in denial. You never really know it when you're in it, right? It's very hard. It's something you see in the rear view usually. Yes. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I remember whenever I went to treatment and I told, or when you went to treatment and I talked to your counselor, she was like, yeah, denial is a really comfortable place to be. Why are you moving away from me? How rude. I'm not, I just had to shift the chair. Sorry. Dang. Do I smell that bad? I'm good. I had to shift because I was like, my head was hurting, turned sideways. <laughs> Cause I'm way back here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So we're just going to kind of go down this list and I'm, we're both going to talk about, you know, how it was a part of our relationship too. So a foreword on denial. Mm -hmm. I think it's really common that a lot of people find themselves in denial. Mm -hmm. And this is just my perspective being on it. I've been in this, I've, I've mentioned many times and I haven't really gotten clear on why I say this, but I know what both sides of these relationships look like. Right. And it's not because of you, right. but there are more, there's more than one person in my life mm-hmm. other than you. Yeah. Even though when you were gone, it didn't feel like it, <laughs> but I, I have been in a really, 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 really bad relationship before. Mm-hmm. And for so, so, so long I was in denial. Mm-hmm. And then when I was addicted, I was also in denial for a very long time. Right. It doesn't feel like you think it would. No. It's easy to look out at everyone else and see oh, they're messed up. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. I'm not that bad yet. Mm-hmm. Things aren't that crazy yet. Mm-hmm. Or watch a movie and mm-hmm. like see a character. Like That person in my mind represents where I never want to get. If I ever get there, then I'm in trouble. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the way it works. This stuff sneaks up on you and yeah. your life can be a mess before you realize it. And you can stay in this comfortable place. And one of the things that helps you stay there is like these these little, um, these periods of like peacefulness that occur. Yeah. You know, like where... I can hide my use really well for a couple of weeks and I can be more present. And you're like, oh man, things are on the up and up. Like mm-hmm. things are good. Mm-hmm. And you can just, I mean, so quickly vanish and erase all of the bad. Yeah. But you're still in it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like it. So yeah. denial is not what you think it is, is what I'm trying to say. And right. if you think that you're not in denial, right. or you're, wait, no, I said that wrong. Yeah. yeah. If you think you're not, yeah. you are. Right. 
but it it's there. Yes. In just about everyone's life, in some way, shape, or form, we are in denial. Humans are really good at rationalizing. Mm-hmm. We will find ourselves in these crazy situations. Yeah. And at moments, it'll like poke its head out and remind you, like, oh, we're we're in it. Right. This is bad. Right. Just doesn't feel like it in the moment. No. You always think it's going to feel different than it really does. Right. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay. So the first marker, that's what you said earlier. And I thought that was cute. First marker is justifying toxic behavior. So you find yourself making excuses for your partner's toxic behavior, like blaming external factors or believing they didn't mean to hurt you. So you can say, oh, they had just like a stressful day or um, they don't know any better because they were raised this way or um, just justifying all of these behaviors that are actually affecting you. Can you think of things that you did? Yeah, I was just going to say uh, there were a lot of family events that I didn't make it to. Like you've got a close knit family and you guys would get together for like if it's someone's birthday, the family gets together at the big meal or if it's a holiday, everyone's getting together or sometimes just for nothing. People are just getting together like, hey, we're having dinner at my mom's house and your brothers would come by and like uncles are there and there's everyone there and I was never there. Yeah. And it was always because I was just like, F that, mm-hmm. F the establishment. I ain't doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. No one's going to tell me how to use my Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, stuff it's like very that. Very narcissistic of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it fits. <laughs> what <laughs> did you saying. tell your family though? Oh, he's just not feeling well or been working he really hard. want to come for like just today. He wanted to uh, like recharge or sit around and watch TV. Or he's been working super hard and he's stressed out and right. like all that kind right. of stuff. I would justify that type of stuff. And all that did was keep me stuck in that denial. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's really easy. And also like you mentioned one at the end there about how someone may have been raised Damn, that's an easy one to get to. Yeah. I have yet to meet an addict or an alcoholic that came from a perfect family. We've all got stuff. Like, there's no such thing as a perfect family. We've all got something thereby. So, therefore, by definition, if no one comes from a perfect family, then we've all got an excuse. Yeah. Everyone's got an excuse for why we do the things we do. Yeah. I was, most abusers were abused. Um, Most addicts didn't come from the best background they didn't have the best examples now that isn't always the case right but most of the time in my experience it has been the case right and it's really easy to look at the way that someone is and say man that kid never had a chance yeah like he was what, what do we expect you know like mm-hmm. and you can you can people with empathy often are the ones who are attracted to us the most can fall in that trap the empathy trap yes. where it's oh man well god they just had it so tough and so you just find yourself tolerating this so like yeah. justifying tolerating yeah kind of the same thing exactly all right um number two is going to be ignoring red flags Ooh. yeah so you overlook or downplay warning signs of toxicity in the relationship convincing yourself that things will get better or that you're overreacting red flags mean something they do they do. And it has a lot to do with your intuition too, which we'll talk about that later on. You know, whenever you feel like something is off, there's typically something off there. Shout out to the wheelies in the community, by the way. I want to spend just a moment here. Oftentimes the people, I think the majority of our group is, I think they're married okay. or recently split or on their way to split. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that come in and they're in a new relationship. Very new, like a year old, less than that. And people will say things like, I'm in this new relationship and these are the things I'm noticing. And it's just ding, ding, ding. These are the red flags going off one after another. And nobody is sugarcoating it. No. 
Like there have been people that have said, like, just flat out, get out as soon as you can before mm-hmm. you're me. Right. Before you look right. like me in 30 years thinking that this gets better and you can fix him or you can change him and you're ignoring these things. Those red flags mean something. Yep. There, there are red flags. There are also beige flags. Yes. TikTok taught me this. Yes. There's some things that just quirks people have yeah. that are just kind of funny. Like they just right. do weird stuff. Everyone's yeah. got their quirks. That's not the same thing as a red flag. Right. Red flags should take take notice. Yeah, like my weird sound that we've talked about. Oh, that that weird throat thing. Yeah, beige. Yeah, beige. it's just beige. It's just annoying. It's pages, pages, beige. It's not really hurting you, but if there are you know behaviors that are harming you, and you feel like oh, this is not right, then don't ignore it. Yeah, like leaving your clothes on the floor is not a red flag. No, that stuff. Those are like quirks. People have their their stuff, you know. Yeah, and that's stuff you can actually change in a relationship. Oh, you want to hear this interesting frame? That I discovered recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget if it's if it's called the. I can't remember the exact name of it, so I kind of ruined it already. But <laughs> there's this concept that um, I think it's called like the Michelangelo concept or something like that. Okay. Where over time in a relationship, people will actually mold each other to be their their ideal version of a partner. I think this happened with us. Over time, this can happen, but people have to be open, receptive to it. We're not talking about narcissistic, addicted types. We're talking yeah, about, people who are actually working on like personal development. Yeah, you know they stuff say like, like that. Yeah, you know how they say like people will say like we look alike, <laughs> or mm-hmm. like sometimes like people will say that if you had a dog for long enough, it looks like you. Like yeah. you become more closely associated with this. But yeah. I think in a relationship, this 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 concept, like this frame of thought, says that basically over time we will create our ideal partner through just like these. It's almost like erosion. It's like water over rocks over time will shape them the way they want them to. It's not like this drastic, you change overnight kind of thing. It's just over time you get acclimated to what the expectation is and you change and you become that person's ideal partner. That's interesting. It's the same way that Michelangelo would have looked at a giant block of marble, a square block and and seen, you know, David Mm -hmm. and like, Oh, it's beautiful. I can see it. Like just sculpt it into what you want over time. Mm -hmm. Um, This doesn't work in these relationships. y'all. No, no, That's no. not the way it works. No, so don't no. get the wrong idea. That, <laughs> right. Oh, I'm Michelangelo and he's a no. No. Like they have to actually remove the substance before any of that even happens. A lot. There's a lot of prerequisites to, to, to that. Yeah. We're evidence of it. We show you, we can tell you what it looked like before and after. Yeah. Before you had like some weak ass sandpaper and I'm this giant block of granite. Nothing was changing. Mm-hmm. As much as you tried, you ended up with blisters and everything else from working on me, but nothing changed. Yeah. You have to have the right tools and that person has to be receptive to it. So you have to be a soft material like marble. I like that. Yeah. I, I thought it was a cool concept. That's when I when I heard it, it was like, oh man, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're going to go to the next one. Isolating yourself. You withdraw from friends, family, or support networks who express concerns about your relationship, preferring to avoid con- con- uh, confronting the reality of the situation. Okay. Yeah. This happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think that I kind of did this as Not well. Kind of. Okay, then I did do this. Yeah. I isolated myself a lot. I mean, there were a lot of reasons that I isolated myself, but one of them was because I I I didn't want to face the reality of our situation. Plus I didn't know how bad it really was, you know? I felt it, but I didn't really know. Like I couldn't express it. But I do know that there are people who do not speak with their family members because they tell them up front, look, this is not healthy for you. You got to listen to them sometimes. They're able to see things that you are not able to see. Yeah. A lot of partners that we talk to are loyal to a fault. Yeah. 
and they will defend their husband or wife like to the death. Mm-hmm. Like, like they don't like, even though that they've, they've done terrible things, they're not going to let someone talk bad about their loved one. I think that comes more from a place of pride than it does objective judgment. Mm-hmm. Because if they were to sit there and listen non-partially and say, this is not your husband I'm talking about. This is someone else's husband. What would you think if they did these things? You'd be like, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. What if I told you that was your husband? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. But when, yeah. when your mom, who you've already probably got tension with, says this person's treating you like crap or this friend who you've always felt was kind of it's like depends where the information's coming from and it sort of clouds it yeah but you'll find yourself isolating from those people mm-hmm. who are some of the loudest advocates you have honestly right. because right. people are wanting what is best for you yeah and you're at a point where you're like i you want them to tell you what you want to hear instead of them trying to help you see reality yeah for that's, what it is. that's tough and it's really hard really 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 hard i remember my parents hated you in high school and i hated them talking bad about they you. they couldn't stand me no for rightfully so right right and even like i, I had no manners no respect Mm-mm. i was a hoodlum man yeah running around just getting into trouble and God, they there were so many red flags so many then. red flags <laughs> you're like the one percent of one percent that that got michelangelo to work out like 99% of people are not going to get that. Yeah. It took a long time though. And I lost a lot of myself during that process as well. You know? Yeah. Thinking about that. Yeah. So when it comes to isolating yourself, like think about where you're at now in your relationships with your friends and family, how many, forget about why, Mm -hmm. just how many dramatic arguments or events have you had that you didn't have before? And think for a moment, how many of these are in some way related to this person? Yeah. How has your isolation been a result of this person? And abusive people are also very good at isolating you. Oh, yeah, for they, sure. They, they, We've they talked about they that. Encourage they it. encourage that because they don't want their true colors to come out. They don't want you to talk bad about them. They don't want you to, you know, because you're their comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> recover for, for, you know, former abusive person. I can say that I didn't need people who are out there giving you ideas. Yeah. I need you to listen to me and stay close to me because I didn't, I, I just did, I didn't need the grief of having to explain why I was doing the things I was doing. I didn't want to be held accountable or called out. It was easier if you just stayed in my little circle mm-hmm. where you weren't going to get any information that was like, almost like, I don't know how I imagine North Korea probably is. It's like yeah. you've got this little government telling these people how it is. Right. And God forbid they try to get outside information, you know, and get red pilled and figure out what's really happening in the world. That'd be the worst thing ever. It's the second time you've referenced make matrix with me in the last 24 hours. Red pill, blue pill. Man. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> never seen that movie. I cannot believe you've never seen the <laughs> matrix. I don't even know how that's possible. I know. And I've seen a lot of movies. I like movies. I don't, I just it's crazy, but, seen it. but isolating yourself. If you are isolated, think about it from stand back and look at your life from 30,000 feet. Do you have less close relationships with your friends and family? Yeah. Don't oh think about God. the why. Just think about if you if do you or not. Do. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to the why later. Right. Or oh. you will. Oh, that makes me so sad. Um, the next one is rationalizing abuse. So you normalize abusive behavior, telling yourself that it's normal for couples to have ups and downs or that your partner's actions are justified because of stress or other factors. Yeah. Um, I, I know that the word abuse, a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They don't like to use that word in these relationships. It's a very hard pill, pill to swallow. You know, we didn't start using that term for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and saying that it's normal to have ups and downs. Yeah, it is normal to have ups and downs, but not like we're having. It's not normal. 
at all. No, and abuse, as, as we discuss it here, we use Lundy Bancroft's definition, which is someone that chronically mistreats or devalues their partner. In that context, abuse is not what you think it is. Mm-mm. It's not just screaming curse words. Mm-mm. It's not just pushing and shoving or hitting Mm-mm. or any of those things that we commonly think of as abuse. Yeah. It becomes more emotional. Yes. Emotional abuse. So we're talking about most of the time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, all the manipulation that a lot of people can't pick up on for a long time and they don't even realize they're being abused. Yeah. The, the, uh, the curse of empaths is that empaths look very, very hard at their part in an argument or how, how you've upset me, mm-hmm. the, the abusive addict, because mm-hmm. I'm very good at manipulating you. And I'm going to tell you you're responsible. This is your fault. I'm really good at crafting these arguments too. Mm-hmm. Like, crazy good at it. And you'll have yourself questioning like, man, did I? Yeah. And then you'll start to think about it because you're empathetic. Right. And you, you, you wear this stuff and you start to think, oh, you know, I, I did do that. I got to be better. I, I've got to be more responsible for my reactions and the things that I say. And then you'll find yourself rationalizing everything that just happened because you feel like you've got a 50% part, at least in that argument when yeah. that's not the case. Right. We designed it that way too. Like an abusive person loves nothing more than that. Yeah. That makes life easy for the abuser. Yeah, for sure. It does. You'll find yourself rationalizing this. stuff. So think about an argument that you might've had recently. Think about some big blow up fight or even think about one of like, um, like the quick strike fights, like the ones where it might only be like a 10 minute spat, but some really nasty things are said and they kind of resolve pretty quickly. Think about those things. Mm -hmm. How did you come to peace in that? Like that's the thing that always blows my mind about denial is that we have these big, major, ma- like massive fights. Mm-hmm. How is everything okay tomorrow? Generally, it's because the empath has taken it upon themselves to make things peaceful and right again. Right. The abuser rarely ever takes the responsibility. Yeah, and then or they'll just wake up or, and act like nothing happened. Yeah, or there's a caveat attached, like a little asterisk next to it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Where. Sometimes they'll just blame the substance straight up. Oh, yeah. It was because of the alcohol. I'm Mm -mm. sorry. That's not me. Or I was just really stressed. That's not me. I've got some things going on in my life, whatever it might be. And then we have you feeling sorry for us. Yes, which is complete BS, y'all. Don't take it. That's another part of justifying the behavior and minimizing the situation. Yeah. But I know when you're in it, it's hard. It's, it's, It's hard to see it clearly because of that type of behavior. Because this is the person that we chose to be with. This is the person we chose to trust. And you're doing these things that are breaking everything. But then we're like, okay, is this, is, is, is he right? Or am I right? You know, you start getting so confused and that's why you're stuck in that denial. Do you find yourself wanting to just make peace? Uh, sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier that way. Yeah. You know, uh, another issue here, I think underlying rationalizing abuse, uh, we, we rationalize in, in a multitude of ways. Our minds are amazing calculators that can take comparison from others and use it as a like as a tool to rationalize. So you, if you've got girlfriends or other guy friends and they have types of these types of arguments, or if you've seen a show, we get a lot of this stuff from TV too. Oh we, yeah. We, we take this stuff and like we program it in our brains and we'll think of a character in a show who had an argument, but it's a show. Everything always happens. You know, it's all good and whatnot, but we will take mm-hmm. these things in our minds and we'll say, well, Christy had a fight with her husband. She was telling me that he was a total ass. 
This is no different. This is the same thing. We're just, it's just normal relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. Everyone has fights. It's not a big deal. Everyone has fights. Yeah. You'll find yourself writing off these really important red flags. Yes. And just rationalizing it based on other people's experiences. But I'm telling you, it's not as bad as what you're going through. Right. They're not living your life. No. They're not. Yeah. Like I've been in a normal relationship and I've been in the bad one. It is not the same. Right. We have normal arguments now. Yes. They're healthy arguments. We have healthy arguments that are productive and we don't just, I I know you asked earlier if I um, find myself or if I used to find myself just trying to keep the peace or whatever. I would um, do that just because you were really good at what you did to where I would believe you. It wasn't necessarily that I would try to keep the peace or whatnot. It was just like, oh, you know, I was wrong in this situation, you know, and just let's, I'm sorry, let's move on. And that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like a little kid about things, like a really manipulative one though. Like I could, um, as soon as I got you, as soon as I found an angle where I knew I could get some empathy and some sympathy, I would just run with that. Mm -hmm. And I would pretend like I was mad or upset or hurt or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I would just stay in that place until you caved. Yeah. I know it sucks, right? Yeah, it does. (laughs) All right. The next one is minimizing your feelings. So you dismiss or invalidate your own feelings of unhappiness, fear, or discomfort within the relationship, convincing yourself that you've been overly sensitive or irrational. Basically what I just talked about. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I always thought that I was overreacting or I was being overly sensitive or, you know, I wasn't listening to my gut telling me that, no, you're being treated poorly. You know, something has to be done about this. A lot of people are raised being told that they're too sensitive. Mm -hmm. I know that you were one of those for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's pretty common Mm -hmm. that... People are told like you just you, you get too worked up easily or you're just like you, you care too much about things that don't matter. And there is such a thing as being highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. There's also just normal emotions that we're told that we shouldn't be having. Yeah. And so but I think that people can kind of program themselves to believe that kind of stuff where it's like mm-hmm. I'm just overly sensitive and you can gaslight yourself into thinking that this is just my sensitivity. Yeah. This yeah. is this is just this is no big deal. But Trust your gut because you know in your gut that it's something's up. Right. But you can you have to like talk yourself into it. If you find yourself talking yourself into these things, mm-hmm. it's a great sign that you're probably in denial about it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just think about some of the things that you used to do and then you would call me insensitive or whatnot. And I feel like if I were to do those things to you, you would have been upset too. And I wouldn't have called you insensitive or too sensitive. I would have just said like, okay, I'm sorry, let's own our part. But it's, I didn't do those things to you. And I don't think that you, I think that when you say that I was too sensitive, it's like, oh, well, I'm just, if that was happening to me, I don't remember where I was going with this. Well, I can, I can just say, no, I I saw what your point was. I saw what your point was. I can say that if I would have, if you would have done those things to me, I would have been Deeply hurt. Right. Deeply hurt. Right. A way for me to avoid a taking accountability. Yeah. Or for you to like get red pilled and see the truth here. Yeah. Is if I validate that mm-hmm. or we talk about it anymore, you're going to get to the bottom of it. Like I remember the anxiety of feeling like you're on to me many times. The fear of like, oh shit, she's 100% right. And having to sit there and like craft an argument on the spot for, for how to get out of it. I just. I can't even imagine how 
much energy that takes. I'm a sick poppy, man. Like this is just how my brain worked. I'm, I don't know if, if abuse was like as a result of my childhood, or if it was sort of always there, if I always had kind of control problems mm-hmm. or, or what, but I don't know if it was like a defense tactic. I have no idea, but it was always really, really easy for me to mess with people like that. And it's like a perfect combination when you're an active addict because you have so much shit to keep people off of. Like you have to keep people off your trail in a million different ways. And one of those tactics is this emotional manipulation Mm -hmm. where I've got to convince you that your feelings don't matter. Yeah. I have to convince you that you think your feelings don't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you they don't. I have to convince you like internally, Internally. inception, that you convinced yourself now that my feelings don't matter. That comes with like constant belittling, constant devaluing. If someone is doing these things to you, Mm -hmm. this is a toxic, abusive relationship. And I just, I've got bad news. It's not going to get better unless some serious overhaul happens. And the chances that happening are so little, I would say it's probably just a better idea to move on than it would be to stick with it. Mm -hmm. Like facts, it just sucks to say that, but it's true. Right. We're just... Speaking from experience here, I've seen a lot of these things and very few people actually get it and then take that and want to grow with it. Yeah. Most people aren't interested in growth. No. They're interested in status quo. Right. This is comfortable for me. Why would I do anything different? This is working for me. But you're like, it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. Listen to that voice. Yeah. Yep. All right. The next one is denying the impact on your well-being. So you ignore the negative impact the relationship is having on your mental, emotional, or physical health, choosing to focus only on the positive aspects or moments of the relationship. So this is kind of like trauma bonding. Yeah. Think about um, where you're really focusing on the highs, really, really focusing on those highs. And that's all you're thinking about. Yeah. Like, oh, we had a really good weekend that one time. Things are getting better. Mm hmm. I mean, it's like looking at, you know, people will say that you, you when you've got a bad kid, um, the parents are oftentimes accused of looking through at the world through like rose colored glasses. People do this in their relationships all the time. Mm-hmm. But you could look at me and see all the good in me because yeah. you see the potential in me mm-hmm. based on the things that I've told you. Like, this is the person I want to be one day. This is, this is the man I want to become. This is the father I want to be. And like, you're like, oh man, I'm hooked. This dude is it. Yeah. You start to look at me with this frame that, like a positivity and you're not focusing on these bad things, mm-hmm. but a good indicator that you're wearing rose colored glasses is look at your life, really look at your life. Like you talk about it in this module yes. and on that worksheet. Yes. Think about a time when you had a fire inside of you, mm-hmm. reignite that fire. What did it look like when you were on top of the world the last time? Right. What did, what was the texture of your mind like? What was your friend group like? Yeah, what, what were, you, were you doing? What were you doing? What were you was your school? purpose in life? Yeah, were you in school learning something? Were you optimistic about your future? Were you challenging yourself? Were you just doing things that made you happy? And you're really good at placing people back in that moment. Mm-hmm. And they're like, then for just a moment, they realize, oh my God, like I'm not that person today. Yeah. Not even close. Mm-hmm. And then it vanishes again. Right. It becomes a skill to look at that and remind yourself. But some of the other things, like the physical pieces you can pick up pretty quick like have you gained or lost a lot of weight mm-hmm. like you're the body does keep the score that's yes. the name of a book oh yeah it's true yeah uh, the body will let you know yes like are you having panic attacks has your appetite changed in one way or another 
Are you passionate about activities you used to be really, I mean, are you still passionate about the same thing? Right, right. And that's not to say that like, yeah, I was really into roller skating when I was 10. Obviously. No, yeah. <laughs> but do you, things that bring you joy like that. Right. I used to paint. I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't do any of this stuff. It, your body will tell you. Your life yes. will tell you. Yes. And your, your well-being is reflected in that stuff. Yes. But if you look at it through rose-colored glasses, you're like, oh, it's pretty good. We've got a house. We've got a, you know, gratitude can be like uh, an enemy at times. Yes. I think especially the way like this toxic gratitude thing that people use. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, you, all your bills are paid. Oh, you got a roof over your head. You've got food on your table. You've got clothes on your back. You've got all of these things. You've got air to breathe. You're alive. Like, okay, yeah. But those aren't like... We're asking for our emotional needs to be met. You know, it's totally different. Can you have any gratitude there? Like about your emotional needs? This is all physical stuff, right? Like, yeah. like this is, these are things that you have to have to survive. Yeah. Like, like, um, like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like yeah. shelter and all that. Yeah. 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 So. Um, you were like one of the first people that I knew anyway, that identified toxic positivity because you came from an MLM background at one time. Yes. And not to say that they're all bad. I'm not here to bash MLMs. Right. But in some of these circles, and it's well documented that there are people who are struggling mm-hmm. and they're gaslit mm-hmm. and told that they're being ungrateful. Yes. So, but that is still out there. And like, you still recognize this a lot. Oh, yeah. How does that play into Social this? Social media is big time on that. Well, what do you mean? How does it play into it? Like the, I guess the narrative that social media pushes and that people will push at times well, yeah, I mean, they're pushing this whole stay positive or choose happiness. You know that one, the whole choose, choose happiness. happiness. Yeah. I think that that um, term got spun around incorrectly. It doesn't mean that you wake up during the day and you say, you know what, I'm just going to choose to be happy today. It means that you need to make decisions within your life that are going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've always said happiness is the way and what is it? There is no way to way happiness. happiness. Happiness is, is the way. way. Well, you, you don't just choose to be happy. You have to build a life around yourself that is going to bring you happiness. Yeah, I, th- I think that applies in the context I've always thought about that was materialistic things. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that when I got a certain car or when we got a certain house or when I got a certain job or a level of income, then I would be happy. Oh, yeah. But each time I would achieve any of those things or a goal, for instance, it could even yeah. be a goal. Like I have a goal to, okay, uh, aesthetically, I always wanted a six pack. Like that was a thing for me from the time I was a little boy. The first time I ever saw Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was like, I want to look like that guy. Yeah. And I thought when I did, and I don't look anything like Arnold, don't get me wrong, but I don't know. You look pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> he wasn't that. No, no, <laughs> but I got in really, really good shape and I got a six pack and I was like shredded up. I had less than 10% body fat and a bunch of muscles. And I was like, it's not what I thought it would be. <laughs> you were starving. <laughs> that too. And I always thought that you would be all over me. You thought I was cool for like 10 minutes. And then you were like, eh. Well, I just, I mean, I think it's hot and it's, you're sexy. It's just, that's not what <laughs> but, I will. It's emotional needs that need to be met. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, anyway, when it comes to this happiness thing. Yes. That is like how I apply that. And I think that has a place. Right. But if you think that this next like you just, anytime you succeed, all you've really done is just set the bar for the next level of success. Yeah. Like let's, okay. We're, we're, we're a hundred thousand downloads in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Remember whenever we were happy with a thousand yeah. and then how quick did a thousand not become cool? The moment yeah. we got it. Yeah. I know. I know that kind of stuff. That's never but been that, a thing for me. These things don't so much apply 
right. to a relationship like this or your well-being. So w- if you're talking about gratitude, what would you, within these types of relationships, I'm trying to think, okay, what are you grateful for? Like the times that they're sober and they're acting somewhat normal? Like where wh- where would you look at the gratitude? To find gratitude in an addicted relationship? Yeah. How would I suggest someone find gratitude? No, like what what would they be grateful for in the relationship? Mm. What is something that they could look at that would be positive? Because this is saying, you know, um, you ignore the negative and you only focus on the positive aspects of the moment. What are the positive aspects of this relationship that are overriding the negative? I think that people can can visit like their um like their vignette memory banks pretty quickly and they can think of the times like even recently like they were like really really good with the kids like okay whenever he had little Josie on his shoulders and they were walking through the mall like right. that in that moment I just felt like and the potential that's what holds on to the potential you know, like, even in those moments it's like wow like that there, there it is like that's the guy I married they'll, they'll come but out that's every so not, often those types of things are not consistent no they're not and they're supposed to be consistent. Yes. I'm not saying perfect all the time. No. But definitely more often than not. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like finding, you can gaslight yourself into finding gratitude in any situation. Right. And in, in fact, I think that it can be really beneficial at times. Yes. Uh, Victor Frankel wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankel, um, I think he's a psychiatrist, maybe psychologist. Either way. He was a, a prisoner in a concentration camp, World War II. Right, right. And it's about how they could take everything from him but his hope and grat- finding gratitude in some of the simple things in life. But he had, an, he had no choice in that situation. Yeah. That's, 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 a di- that's the difference, right. I so believe. He, he was in this dark situation, and that's how he was able to survive. It was truly a survival mechanism. And I think it, it was a beautiful mindset to have in that moment right. with chaos breaking out around you but you're right this is a voluntary relationship that you're in yes and oftentimes you're still in it because you think you're supposed to be right or because the church tells you you have to be Mm -hmm. because your friends pressure you to be and you don't want to split up your family because of finances because of all these things Mm -hmm. and you can find yourself getting grateful for all this stuff but like be real but then that keeps you in denial it does that's the because there are choices here yeah that's that's the the catch yeah that's the catch yeah so you can choose to do that like um, Melanie, is it Beatty or Betty? Beatty, I believe. She wrote Codependency or Codependent No More. There's this quote that she had written um, from her second book, I believe, called The Language of Letting Go. Uh, she wrote, Denial is a protective device, a shock absorber for the soul. It prevents us from acknowledging reality until we feel prepared to cope with that particular reality. People can shout and scream the truth at us, but we will not see or hear it until we are ready. Yeah. I think that that's so spot on. Oh my gosh. Yes. So spot on. So spot on. Like denial is a shock absorber, I think in some ways, but we've always just encouraged people like, look at the reality of these things. Like, let's just look at it for what it is. We're going to love you and hold you through it, Mm -hmm. but we need you to see it. Yeah. I need you to look at this. Right. Truly. I tell addicts the exact same thing. Absolutely. I am a firm believer that you never, ever, ever tear anybody apart without zipping them back up. Right. So when I first meet somebody and we're working through recovery, I will destroy them till they're a blubbering mess. Dang. And then then I build them back up on what life could look like. Yeah. But I need you to see who you are. Yeah. If you don't see how miserable and how sick you are. You're not going to be interested in doing anything about it. I need no. you to feel it. I need you to see it. Yes. I need it to hurt. You have to feel that discomfort. Yes. It's it's it may hurt like 
the discomfort that you have throughout your relationship, but it's going to be different because it's going to be, it might be, it might be more difficult at first because it's getting you out of your comfort zone. But eventually that discomfort is going to be such a huge relief for you because you're learning how to work your way through it. It starts with pain. And then you get past. Yes, it does. It does start with pain. But do you want to be in the same pain the rest of your life within, you know, this dynamic that you're in? Or do you want to shift that pain? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, psychologist I was listening to the other day. I remember who it was. It was Peterson or someone else. But this guy was saying, he's like, you're screwed either way. Mm -hmm. You're screwed either way. Mm -hmm. Both outcomes are screwed. Mm -hmm. If you stay... You're screwed. Mm -hmm. You know what your life is going to look like, but it's going to get worse because it's progressive. Exactly. So it's, if you think it's bad now, just wait. It yeah. gets worse over time. Yes. It gets way worse. Right. You think the abuse is bad now, just wait. You right. think it's, it's, it's bad with no kids, just wait till you have kids. Right. You think it's bad with like little kids, wait till they're teenagers and they're mm -hmm. adults and they need like real parents and adults around to help them. Yeah. And you've got the burden of everything. Right. Like, the alternative also sucks. Mm -hmm. Leaving is scary. Yeah, there's Being grief on your own, that comes scary, along with that. Huge amount of grief, which we're going to talk about in an episode Another pretty episode. soon. Mm -hmm. You're you're screwed either way, but yeah. at least you get to choose how screwed you're going to be mm -hmm. and what that path looks like. Yeah, and one is progressively worse; the other one's progressively better. better. That's the thing. It's like yes. it's they're both progressive paths, mm -hmm. but one goes down and one goes up. Yeah. Now denial is a shock absorber. At times, we do need that. Um, people aren't ready to process things right away. If I had a dollar every time I talked to someone who had a problem and they just went, oh, man, you're right. What do I got to do next? <laughs> I would have like $2. Yeah. And I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people. Most people are in denial for quite some time until life gets bad enough that the shock is over breaks. And you've seen cars rolling with no shocks. They're a mess. Life is falling apart. Yeah. They have to get there, mm -hmm. but you can also sort of wake yourself up to it. Yeah. So you're screwed either way. Well, it's just like changing your lifestyle, like your diet lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's the same. Yeah, pick if your you, heart. If you pick your heart, if you're going to stay in these poor eating habits, not working out, it's going to go down. It's going to get progressively worse. Yeah. You're going to get sick later on down the road. You know, it causes a bunch of issues within your. You will have health problems. Everything. Your life will end before it was supposed to. Right. No doubt about right. it. You will be on medications. Or you choose the path that seems more difficult and it is mentally more challenging. Oh, it's hard. But you're going to have a way more fulfilling life. And it gets progressively and easier. It gets easier. And you are building up your self-esteem even more because you're choosing to challenge yourself. And how do you build up your self-esteem? You challenge yourself and then you follow, follow through. through. Do hard things. Do hard things. So yeah. it's, it's very similar to that. We've talked about it. It's been a long time, but Paige lost like 50 or 60 pounds. I lost 50 pounds. In six months. In six months. Yes, because I stayed very disciplined on on the on the the program I was on. And that was hard, but now you have maintained it. It has become well. Easier. I've kind of gone like this. You're still, <laughs> but I'm still nothing like I was before. I have I I I don't want to go back to where I was before because I did make the changes within my brain. I trained my brain to do the hard things that were going to you know keep me fit and healthy. Yeah, which. A little plug right now. Next week, I believe um, E2M signups are happening. Yeah, E2Mfitness.com. Yeah. Check it or out. Eager to motivate. I think it is it. I think it's E2Mfitness.com. I don't know. Either just we'll put it in the notes or we'll we'll 
you can great, Google it. Great program. Yeah, it is. It's Cannot a great say program. enough good things about it. And right. the people that run it, they're awesome. Um, but back to the denying the impact of your well-being. Yeah. Uh, you've been through this emotionally. You've been through this physically and everything else. Yeah. Um, you're right. One's progressively harder over time. It get, keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. One gets better. But it all comes down to like, listen, we want to, we, we've always said we will love you until you can love yourself and we will be there. We will hold you. We will be there with you with patience, no matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. You can be the person that comes in super hopeful. And then they say, Hey, I see the light. This isn't going to work. And then you come back in two months and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and happy again. And then you come back a month later. Hey, this sucks again. You can be that person. We're still going to love you. Yeah. Because we know, like like the author said, Melanie we B. Know, earlier, yes. until you're ready to see it, you won't see it. But we're going to encourage every way possible that you do see this sooner than later. Right. Because we've been there before. We know yeah. there's benefit to doing that. Mm -hmm. And this is like an elevator. It's the same for addiction recovery. And it's just like for you guys. Like you hit rock bottom. Everyone has to hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. But you hit rock bottom when you stop digging. At some point, make a decision to stop digging. Yeah. It was described to me that recovery is like an elevator. And this goes for spouses and addicts. It's like an elevator. Mm -hmm. You can get off on any floor that you want. Yeah. You can choose to get off on any floor that you want. You have choices. How far down do you want to ride this thing? Yeah. Because it's only going one direction. Yeah. Down. Yeah. How far down do you want to go is the question. Yeah. But you can get off whenever. I like that. I don't think I've ever heard you say that one. For sure you have. Sure. I did. I wasn't listening, oh, <laughs> but I liked it. <laughs> Sometimes I just blank out. Um, all right. Um, the next one is going to be hope for change, which is kind of what we've discussed, but you hold on to the belief that your partner will change their behavior or that the relationship will improve despite evidence to the contrary. You did a newsletter on that. Oh, on hope. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was called, um, if you, Hey, if you don't subscribe to our newsletter, I write a newsletter every week. It's completely free. Um, you just go to twofo.com. Yeah, go to twofo.com and, and subscribe bottom. and it comes out um, Wednesday mornings, like 5 a.m., 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. our time anyway. It was called uh, Hope is Beautiful, Hope is Dangerous. And it's about this very thing. I think that when people first see us, the first thing they're attracted to is they figured it out. Right. Like those two figured it out. Right. You get really hopeful. Yeah. You think hope. It just hits you. Boom. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. That could like be us. High. It is. It's intoxicating. Mm -hmm. Like in that moment... Everything you thought was ruined is suddenly better because someone found a way out and they're going to show me how. Mm -hmm. But if you listen closely to what we talk about, I hope that you hear that we are the exception, not the rule. Right. And that the other part of this is that there's only so much that Paige could have done to get us here. Yeah. It was up to you. I've always said that the, the larger burden of change has to come from the addicted person. Yeah. For the most part, you were all right, man. Like you didn't have too much stuff going on. I had to grow up like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Eventually I got to a point where I had caught up and now it's like, all right, now we're chasing each other back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like I take the lead, then you take the lead and now yeah. we're chasing each other. But for a long time, I was like in last place, you were running laps around me. Yeah. So it's really easy to get hopeful that that could be you. It's really easy to get hopeful, but Hope can be a beautiful thing in that regard mm -hmm. because some people can change. I'm evidence people can change. Yeah. Like you can redo everything about yourself. You yeah. can become a completely different person, but it's not going to be up to you. So I think you can get hopeful for other reasons than just your relationship's going to work out. Mm -hmm. We encourage people to get hopeful about what your life could look like if you were really happy. Yeah. Like what would have to happen in your life for you to be truly happy? So think about mm -hmm. yourself. Would you, like, let's say that you had to do it 
all over again. That's well, kind of part of our evaluation. It's part of the evaluation. There you go. More <laughs> plugs on the evaluation. Guys, the evaluation is great. I'm serious. It, it is so Like we have never good. been over here like trying to shake people down for cash. Like we're, that's not us. It will never be us. We are, we are as honest as they come. Yeah. But it's worth it. That, that module is so worth it. It really is. It really is. Um, but anyway, like, would you, would you go back to school? Would you learn a new, would you learn something new? Like, would you be a writer? Would you move somewhere else? Would you move to the beach? Like if you had to do it all over again, like get hopeful that that, that life is still there. Yeah. It get is never that too late. Yeah. It is never too late. Like I have, I got really discouraged about writing a book. I got really discouraged about starting the podcast, about all the things we do. What? Because I felt like we, we had, we missed that, man. People in their twenties do that stuff. People always don't do that. That's so not true. But like, I've come to understand that like a lot of my favorite authors and writers and like they started later, forties, yeah, fifties, yeah. Like there are some people that write their first books in their sixties. Exactly. It's like it's never too late. So right. get hopeful. Get that, hopeful for. Get hopeful that you can be the happiest person on earth. And well, you can day, be the best version of yourself possible. Like we're not always happy. <laughs> At some point, you can look at your life and just be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. You can be proud of your accomplishments. Even in all of our crazy stress that we have, like I think about our lives and I'm like, I'm really, really grateful where we are today. Yeah, for sure. Incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. But I think had I not done this, I could see you happy too. Yeah. No matter what, I could see, you, I know you'd be happy. You'd find a way. Yeah. Get hopeful for that. Get hopeful that, that you've still got fire in you enough if that... This person doesn't have the capacity to change, and they refuse to change. That you can be happy. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe maybe ten years down the road, you guys reconcile and you get validated, and and all that becomes right in some way. Yeah. But by that point, you know you're you know that you can do it. Yeah. So you're not not worried. Maybe you get remarried. I don't know. But there are <laughs> options out there. Right. Like you're not right. stuck. Right. Yeah. There are choices. All right. So the next one is suppressing intuition. So you push aside your instincts or gut feelings that something is wrong in the relationship, choosing instead to trust your partner's words or actions. Talk to me about intuition. So I'm reading a book called Awakening Intuition right now. This is actually a book that my therapist recommended to me seven years ago. It's been sitting on our shelf. And it's been sitting on our shelf because I just didn't, it, I don't know, I wasn't ready to read it yet. There are a lot of times that I've been recommended books and I just wasn't ready to read it. And I'm sure there are times that I recommend books to people and they're not ready to read it at that time. But in seven years, you will be. <laughs> it's it's on the shelf above our, our headboard. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about intuition. I was like, what's that book? You looked at it. Right. No. Yeah. We were talking about intuition or, and you said, what you just said, that's pretty much what that book title is about. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, now I have to read that book because I've been really big on intuition and gut feelings lately. We liked the book because it was green and it popped nice on that wall. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It goes <laughs> but it's with, a good book. with the, the stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I mean, I haven't, I've only gotten through it a little bit, so I'm not... I don't know how great it is yet until I finish it. So I didn't really want to talk about the book, but it does go along with this whole intuition thing. Um, we're all born with a natural compass, I guess you could say. That's a good way to put it. We're all born with something that tells us how to live our lives based on survival and our values, pretty much. But the world and society has become so muddy with too much information and too much structure in a way where it's like, you have to do things this way, that way, you know, nobody knows how to make their own decisions anymore. And if we just go back to 
listening to our gut and our intuitions, you can make decisions. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. This is your life and what is going to work for you. And this says choosing to trust your partner's words or actions. That happens so much in these relationships. It's yeah. kind of like what we were talking about earlier whenever you were like rationalizing or whatnot and your partner would say something and you're like, oh, you know, maybe maybe they are right. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, we just completely put our voices aside. Yeah, or those hollow apologies that come through mm-hmm. where you'll say all the right things, mm-hmm. everything. Like it could have been written by Shakespeare, but there's no play to back it up. Yeah. There's no actions. Yeah. So many guys are great smooth talkers and they can get themselves out of all kinds of stuff, saying the right things. Mm -hmm. We know what to say, but very few people do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. That should be the the acid test for whether or not you're going to suppress your own intuition. But we've also talked about it in previous episodes. And you made a great point there that society has this way of like, there's too much information and you just question everything now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if you ever look up, um, like, you know why I think weight loss is so freaking like, um, intimidating for people is because if you look up how to do it, there's a million methods and mm-hmm. everyone's says, I'm right. This works for you. This is the one that works. Right. You want to get shredded like me do this. Right. So people will find themselves jumping from like, you're on like paleo keto, you're doing macros, you're doing whole 30, you're doing all, you know, it's like, there's so much info. Yeah. But our intuition gets suppressed. Like this is this kind of the same thing, but mm-hmm. par- another part of it is, and we've talked about this, that being in a relationship with an abusive person has a way of crushing your self-esteem to where you don't even trust your own intuition anymore, yep. which is why one of the first things that people say to us, like if we're working with them in one-on-ones, like in our coaching is like, I don't, I can't even answer that question page because I don't even know who I am anymore. Right. Like I don't even know what I want. Right. I don't know who I am or what I am. Mm-hmm. And that's heartbreaking, man. Yeah. When you hear people say that, it's because they're, they've suppressed their own intuition. Mm-hmm. And then we also live in this world, which is just so loud. Yeah. It's like, we always second guess our own minds. Yeah. But most of the time, you know. Yeah. Like you ever go to a restaurant? We do this all the time at restaurants and you look at the menu and you know what you want like that. You yeah. know, yeah. but then what do you do? The waiter takes 20 minutes. So you sit there and you look at the other stuff. You uh-huh. second guess, uh-huh. you th- change your mind three or four times. You order something and it comes and it sucks. And you go, <laughs> I should have just ordered the thing I was going to order because thing. I will always order your first thing. Yeah. Cause I know it's going to be good. Yep. I do the same thing. Just go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Trust your gut a little bit more. Yeah. Like you were built with this beautiful internal operating system yes and a lot of us have lost it we've just yeah lost it because of abusive people because of the the crazy world that we live in but Mm -hmm. getting back to trusting that person Mm -hmm. that has always been there and like you have this amazing intuition and ability to determine what's best for you Mm -hmm. what should i do next yeah most of the time people just need the permission to do it right i think they're looking for the validation that like i'm on the right track here am i doing this right right it's why like peer to peer groups exist. Like I need to bounce this off somebody because I think this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you'll hear like, I did the exact same thing yeah. or maybe just change it to add, but like you're on the right track. Right. You're on the right track. Right. Trust your intuition. Yeah. It's hard to do though. Whenever you feel like it's not there anymore and you don't know what happened to it. Well, also there are some times when people get confused with intuition and uh, like neuroticism. 
type things. So <laughs> we should have an episode of neuroticism yes, soon. Yes, we will. So just some things that are like a little out there, you know, that aren't, they're kind of unrealistic. Turn off ID channel y'all. Yes. Things like that. <laughs> Turn off ID T- channel. Things like that. Like things like that. Cause that, that's not really your gut talking. That's, that's more paranoia, of paranoia anxiety. and things like that. But when it comes to actually making decisions in your life that are going to affect you, listen to your gut. I, I've always, and I don't, I, I could be insane saying this and no one relates to what I'm about to say, but I've always, um, felt like there was a wiser part of me inside. Mm-hmm. And at times the, this what, is weird talking about yourself like this, huh? Or do you like it? No, no. I, I, I hope this is going to be helpful for people. <laughs> okay. It's, I have come to identify like this voice in me and like this, it's more of a feeling mm-hmm. and the emotion when it comes up, like the thought has like, guys, it's going to sound crazy. Almost like a, not a smell, but like a sense to it. Like, mm-hmm. um, you ever put chewed on foil before with cavities like that? electric stop Stop. okay when i get when my intuition hits and i know i should do something that i don't want to do it has like a texture to it yeah like that wisdom that comes from like not my not my like uh, the brain that thinks right but like somewhere deeper yes you know it when you am i alone in that do you feel that too yeah you know what i'm talking about okay so like your intuition has like a flavor of its own yeah pay attention to that Mm mm-hmm Pay attention to it. When it's talking, it's important. Yeah. It is there to protect you. It is wiser than you. Mm-hmm. And you might not think that that person's in there, but it's in there. I was listening to this uh, this story. There was this Navy SEAL. I don't even know who it was, but he got canceled on the internet. He must have said something. I don't know what he said or what he did, but he got canceled by like a Twitter mob. Like these people came after him. Mm-hmm. And he said... Um, he thought he was a really tough guy. Like he was a Navy SEAL. Like he was like the toughest of the tough. Okay. But in that moment, he was destroyed as low as he'd ever been in his entire life. Like felt like he was worthless. Like he was good for nothing. And he said in the back of his mind, he'd always wondered and feared that he was actually a coward. That all this stuff he always did was like this outward way of displaying that he was like this big tough guy. But mm-hmm. he said deep down, he always sort of believed in some way that he was actually a coward. But he, he had faith that when the moment came, when the rubber met the road, and the shit hit the fan, that that better version of himself would appear. And he's, he had this quote that gives me goosebumps, like hair on the back of my neck stands up. He said, I could always hear my better self clearing his throat in the other room. Mm-hmm. Like he could, you know what I mean? Like, do you, does that resonate with you or is it just me? Like when I heard that, I was like, I know exactly what he's talking about. I don't know. You've brought this up before. Like and- I've always felt like there was a better version of me that wasn't scared, that didn't have anxiety, that didn't have this uh, addictive issues. And like, this is a lot what got me sober. Like, I could always hear that guy. Everybody has anxiety. You know what I mean? <laughs> like debilitating, like yeah. scared to do anything. Like I always could hear that dude in the room next door, clearing his throat. And I was reminded at times that he was in there. Oh, there he is. It it was just real quick. I could just hear him and I would know. I think that was my intuition. I think that was like my authentic self. That's my gut. Like that's what we're kind of getting at. Like that person is in there. Yeah. It's really easy to, to block them out and let the fears take over and all the what ifs that could happen. But Mm -hmm. like have faith that that person's there and they will show up. Yeah. If you let them, but yeah, but even like triggers and things like that, that's part of your intuition. That's your body telling you something. Yes. 
Anytime your body is doing anything that feels different, like you said earlier, your body does keep the score. This You have to pay attention to all of these emotions and sensations and feelings. It's all within your body, and that's part of your intuition. Yeah. Don't suppress it any more than it has to. When you when when that when you get that that little center that, that zing in your head, mm-hmm. you hear that voice, you hear that person clearing their throat. Pay attention. Don't suppress it. Yep. All right. So the last one is fear of confrontation or change. So you avoid confronting your partner about their toxic behavior or initiating changes in the relationship because you're afraid of the consequences or the unknown. Well, this is pretty common and standard, even though a lot of us have you know, confronted our partners and it always turns into nothing. Yeah. But I think that the fear of change is one of the big ones here is that you're scared of what it looks like on the other side. Yeah. Scared of getting out of your comfort zone. It's scary as hell. Or you're, or getting out of denial. You know, it's scary. There's this quote. Um, I don't even know who said, it. I don't know who attributed it to. So I apologize, but, uh, denying the truth doesn't change the facts. Ooh, just because we deny the truth doesn't change the facts of our situation. Yeah. And the facts have to be dealt with at some point. Yeah. These are the facts. Absolutely. They will come out. Mm-hmm. They will find their way to the surface. They float and they will find their way. And you're right. There's a fear of confrontation or change and it's okay to be scared. Yeah. Guys, I, I, don't, I don't ever want anyone to feel like we're telling them you can't be fearful. Scared is totally fine. Yeah. Like you're going to you can have a lot of fear around this. It's okay. Like that's why we encourage people to lean on the community. Yeah. Like get with the community, get with other people that are going through this. Like I was really scared when I was going into this. You were scared when you were going through this. Like we had people around us who were letting us know it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. It's massive. It's massive. So I think that wraps up denial. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it um, is. But yeah, um, denial doesn't change the facts. Like, you no. can tell yourself these things aren't so, and it, like we started off with, is that it's never going to feel real. Like you're going to think it feels different. You're here. You're you're everything. You're in everything you thought you'd never be in. Chances yeah. are, yeah. If you're listening to us, chances are you're already there, right? And we'll love you until you can love yourself. We'll love you until well, actually, we'll, I say we we'll love you until it's not contingent. We'll always love you, yeah. No matter where you're at along your journey, but. Well, it was, you always get nothing but patience from us along this. You know, I, I don't want people to hear this and think that, okay, I have to change today. No, you don't. No. You don't. You'll change when you're ready to change. Exactly. But just remember, it is an elevator. Yep. You can get off whenever you want. Yes. I love okay. that. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. So until next time, I am Matt. I'm Paige. And we'll see you. Bye.